Hello, and welcome to the Extension Experience podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bashong. As usual in our podcast, we like to promote other extension programs and things of that nature. So we have a chance to do a little shout out that I think Dana will uh, go into detail about. Dana, what, what do you got over there? So we have the Ranchers Thursday lunchtime series coming up. This has been a series that has been ongoing since the summer, but this next series... Uh, is focused on heifer selection, developed development, and breeding. And so it's hosted or put together by our beef cattle extension team. And there's about seven different weeks over starting this Thursday that they'll focus on a variety of different heifer topics. But this Thursday, they're going to start off with a presentation by Burke Teichert, uh, the retired vice president and general manager at Deseret Ranches, and so that will be fantastic. I'm really excited about these topics to cover. It's kind of a passion of mine, heifer development, and so I I just wanted to get the word out there about this. Um, I will put the link in the show notes on how to get registered for the series, but again, it's at 1230 uh, live webinar uh, hosted by the Beef Cattle Extension Team. So by this Thursday, do you mean December third? Yeah, December third. Okay, That's right. So, so that'll be that won't be over with by the time this uh, episode comes out. Oh, so will, will they be recorded? <laughs> yes, they will be recorded. Okay. <laughs> so they will be recorded, and um, so you can go back and listen to them. But then again, you can catch all the other ones. Yes, so, I missed that. <laughs> so, the, so, the, so the second one will be the one. Second the next one, live yep. version that'll be out Thursday, this... December tenth is when that one would be. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, that's what's nice about a lot of the online media is it is recorded, so you don't have to be there in person. You can of course. still get that media later on. But today, our main focus has to do with wheat, I guess. I, I'm sitting here pausing. I think about you know the wheat growing. My wheat's a lot different than a lot of others. Uh, there's all different stages of wheat in there, Josh. Uh, you think about yeah. different growth stages, wheat that was planted you know, late August, and then you got wheat up until the deadline on November 30th. It's been planted, and we're going to talk today about nitrogen management on that wheat. Whether you know, there's a bunch of different management practices in Oklahoma, one of the most common, and as we've talked about in previous podcasts, tends to be putting all of our nitrogen up front with anhydrous, and not really doing much until we pull cattle off and deciding to top dress after we pull cattle off wheat. We're trying to get away from some of that, <laughs> and and more efficient nitrogen use, and trying to be good stewards of our nitrogen and and trying to, you know, spoon feed that crop as we go. And, and then there's some merit behind that in terms of better yields and better efficiency. So, Josh, I'll let you kind of go into your part of the program here and, and start with that. And I'm sure I'll have a lot of questions as we go. Mm, like you mentioned, we're all trying to increase our bottom line and be more efficient. And that goes to one of our biggest inputs, like you've said before, fertility. Uh, so nitrogen management on our wheat crop is always going to be a, a moving target. And so you look back at the stewardship, like you mentioned, of nutrient management, it kind of reverts back to those four R's. You got the right source, the right rate, at the right time, at the right placement. And so 
obviously we have some cheaper nitrogen sources. Uh, so looking at different sources, that's why we've in the past seen uh, extensive use of anhydrous pre-plant, especially on our uh, dual purpose. So for our guys that have gone away from dual purpose and more grain only, uh, is that a good option, uh, putting it all up, up pre-plant? Uh, it is a cheaper nitrogen source, like you've discussed in previous episodes, uh, but we can be more efficient. Uh, is it more efficient to have another application cost, uh, maybe even more than one application cost? If you're talking about spoon feeding just a second ago, how many trips across the field uh, can we cover with that efficiency? Uh, when we're looking at the wheat grain yield, uh, we always want to be hitting the right rate. And so our nitrogen rate is not always going to be the same year after year. Uh, the great way to manage or uh, judge the crop is using the enriched strip. And we've been preaching that for a couple of decades, it seems like. Uh, but they can be as elaborate as you want or as cheap as you want. You can, I've seen producers rig up, you know, a thousand gallon sprayer and put out enriched strips all the way across their field on most of their fields. And we can go as cheap as you want. Just go buy a bag of urea uh, from whatever store you want, big box store or feed store. Get you a plastic cup and make you a spot that you know is not going to be nitrogen deficient. You can put those enriched strips out um, when you plant into the fall. I've even seen some guys get responses putting those enriched strips out early spring. But that kind of gets us to where we are now. Yeah. And, and I think about nitrogen kind of in my own operation as I put it out there. It's kind of like sand in an hourglass you know it, yeah. the, the minute you put it out there it's leaving because nitrogen is very mobile it water can move it through the soil profile in a way it can volatilize up out of the soil and gone into the atmosphere there's a lot of things going against us when it comes to applying nitrogen and that's where we get back to that why we would want to spoon feed and why we would want to split apply that nitrogen but kind of you'd mentioned earlier that you know common practice partly because of economics has been putting uh, all of our nitrogen out early or maybe a full rate out early. Does that promote anything within the plant? Is Are there good reasons to do that, I would say? I'm thinking maybe along the lines of plant growth or something like that, reasons why you'd want to have high rates out up front. And the big component is nitrogen is a big driver of forage production. So if you really want that fall pasture, you're going to need that nitrogen up front. Uh, so it's not necessarily uh, good to spoon feed, spoon feed uh, dual purpose or graze out because once you're behind, uh, it's hard to catch back up because yeah. we're always dependent on, you know, good warm growing conditions and soil moisture, obviously. Uh, so having that nitrogen up front, yes, we might not be the most efficient with it, but we're going to get the fall pasture we want. Uh, so we've discussed that before, you know, trying to get that fall pasture growing before it goes dormant. Nitrogen is going to be a big component of that. But if we are after a grain crop, either dual purpose or grain only. Uh, we want enough out there to get that forage, but also we don't want to be wasting it. Like you said, there's a handful of ways we can lose that nitrogen. The later we can apply it, the more efficient we're going to be with it. So if it's drier, it goes away less. It, it doesn't like, I, I'm asking this there's, question. There's less know. loss. There's yeah. less loss. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. I mean, so if we have a dry winter, your early applied nitrogen might last longer or is it just not used as fast? Well, to take us another step backwards is where is that nitrogen right now? If you just put out urea and it's sitting on top of the ground, you don't want dry, hot, windy. True. Because it'll go up and volatilize okay. up in the atmosphere. 
But if you do have an incorporating rainfall or if you did anhydrous, if it's down in the soil, yes, staying dry, you're not going to have as many chances to lose it. They can be denitrified if we have standing water. It can be leached out from heavy rains, moved down deeper into the soil. Uh, there's a lot of ways we can lose that, be tied up in soil organic matter. Uh, but biggest thing is it is a mobile nutrient. We can be more efficient with the later applications. If we are in a dual purpose, we revert back to that. We need 60 pounds of nitrogen for every dry ton of forage we want. And if we're in dual purpose, we're going to have to have that plus the nitrogen needed to make a grain crop. Yeah. And when we talk about nitrogen needed for a grain crop, the rule of thumb would be two pounds of nitrogen per bushel of expected yield. Has that changed any in the in recent years with research that OSU's been doing? It still stands if you look at the the complete the entire season. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you look at nitrogen needed from spring green up to harvest, it doesn't need that much. And if we start being more efficient, like I said, those stewardship, those four R's, uh, the right placement, the right timing, uh, the right source, uh, we can be a lot more efficient with it. And we've seen some guys getting down 1.3 pounds per bushel, 1.1 pounds per bushel. So we're increasing that efficiently, that efficiency of uh, pretty significantly. That is something that is ongoing research that, that I'd like to see as an economist because yeah. one of the direct uh, direct ways to improve our bottom line, like we talked about earlier, by reducing that. But again, a lot of people probably still feel comfortable uh, going out with those little bit higher rates if they're if they're in more of a typical situation where they're planting planting their wheat early and, and putting that nitrogen out early before that. But you know, I've, anecdotally talking to some educators and some demos they've done on their own farms, you see that the, the later they apply their nitrogen, they're getting away with putting on less and still getting higher yield. So that's the timing. And the other big factor is what rate. Mm -hmm. And so I mentioned a second ago, the enriched strips. Uh, every extension office has access to one of those green seekers. Uh, Trimble does still sell those, I believe, around 500 bucks a piece. But if you don't want to spend that much money, there is a free service out there. We can go out there and get actual readings off those enriched strips to see what the difference is to come up with the economical nitrogen rate. But if at the very bare bones of it, that enriched strip or that spot you dump some urea out, it's a visual. You can tell if that wheat's, uh, if there's a difference. If there's not a difference, then you don't need nitrogen. But if there is a difference, you know you need some. And I know some farmers have a hard grasp if there's not a difference, if they don't see that spot or strip, they still want to apply some, mm -hmm. but obviously maybe they reduce the rate. Well, we've talked earlier about actions of least consequence. Yeah. And, you know, if you ever short your wheat crop on nitrogen, if you think if you think nitrogen is maybe 40 cents per pound of actual N, which that would be a fairly high cost in the current environment. But if you figure that it takes two pounds of nitrogen per bushel of wheat, that's 80 cents of nitrogen. And if you don't have that out there and you lose a bushel of wheat that's worth five or five dollars and fifty cents a bushel, doesn't make a lot of sense so that's that's why you know i would err on the side of caution with producers and that's why we see producers you know wanting to give it a little more a little more they definitely don't want to be short yeah. you and i have witnessed a very stark enriched strip was it last year that we we went out and saw that yeah uh it is probably the biggest response i've seen uh having an enriched strip out there and the guy was incorporating some summer cover crops so he depleted some of his little moisture so that was a big component but having that nitrogen out there, he had a more vigorous plant. Uh, 
is able to handle those stresses a little bit better, develop some bigger roots probably. But we're just managing, looking at that top growth is a lot more tillers, a lot more biomass, a lot more height, more green ground cover. And that's another tool we can use to estimate what kind of crop we have out there is that Canapeo app, which measures green ground cover. And that app was developed by OSU, available for iPhones and Androids. But you want to take a stab at telling us what Canapeo stands for? Oh that's one of those Greek things. <laughs> uh, I think Oshner is the one that developed the app. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it meant. but yeah, It's yeah. really cool. I've actually tried to use it a little bit from the grazing standpoint. And I haven't mastered it and haven't, you know, looked at it in about a year, but it's a really cool app. Um, just takes a little bit of um, know-how, but yeah. so what you saw, more vigorous plants within the strip where they've applied nitrogen. Yeah. So it gave them the idea that, oh my gosh, the entire field needs more nitrogen. Yep. Okay. And right. we saw that as early as uh, late October. Oh my goodness. Uh, or I guess early November. And so the guy put out some more nitrogen, I think 40 units. And then did another enriched strip. And we're always playing that catch up. It seemed like the whole season, even in the spring, you could see that difference. Uh, but it wasn't grazed as a grain only field. But at the end of the year, there wasn't a huge difference in yield where he did apply extra nitrogen. But we're sitting there trying to figure out what's that nitrogen rate. So we used some tools like the Green Seeker, and we got that NDVI, uh, Normalized Difference of Vegetation Index. And we use those tools for growing degree day since we planted, so we know how much growth should be out there. But that, in, that nitrogen rate calculator that you can find online uh, is help, helpful to determine what economical nitrogen rate you should have. Uh, but we need some growth out there to be realistic about that. So typically we want at least 60 growing degree days before we start sensing. And I believe that calculator online won't let you use it till you reach about that much. But the longer you wait, the more accurate it is. When you're at that 60 days, about right now, I think we're about 50 days, growing degree days, if you plan in the first of October. Uh, it's not going to be as accurate. It might overestimate yield, but it's going to underestimate the response to nitrogen. So at the end of the formula, it's going to still be pretty accurate on the nitrogen rate. But as we get later and later in the season, getting to the springtime, it's going to be a lot more accurate. Well, that's interesting. So, you know, that person did cover crops during the summer, yeah. kind of like a, a second crop. So it makes it even more important to utilize some of those tools if you're doing more crops yeah. on a particular area. I believe he actually hated off. So he's removing okay. materials. So he was, he knew he was going to be nitrogen deficient, but okay. we just didn't know it was going to be that severe. Wow. <laughs> Something to keep in mind for sure. Yeah. And then we get back to the question, uh, Dr. Brian Arnell, our precision nutrient specialist, extension specialist, the last four, maybe five years has been looking at how late we can top dress uh, for grain. And it's very interesting. We've seen year after year where we can push that later. Uh, his data shows 80 to 100 degree, 80 to 100 growing degree days of uh, actual wheat growth, we can still get that response. So we're looking at when the wheat's starting to join. Uh, so from mid to early February to mid to late March, we can still top dress and get that yield back. So even in the plots, it's night day difference. You see some stunted yellow wheat versus some lush uh, green wheat. You didn't think it was ever gonna yield the same on grain, but we can still make that up. It might not be as tall at the end of the year, uh, but that 
grain head is going to fill out. It might not have as many tillers, but it's going to be a bigger head. And so in his data, like I said, several years, several locations, uh, researchers refer to it as site years. So if you add up each location for each year, he's up to like 33 different site years where he's been looking at this delayed nitrogen application. And 70% of the time, uh, we're increasing protein, which is going to be an economical factor for those late applications of nitrogen. But he's being more efficient. Uh, he's in, actually increased the yield about 30 or a third of the time versus that pre-plant. He's able to increase that yield when delayed that late. Uh, vast majority of the time, I think it was over 90% were increasing yield versus no nitrogen, which would be pretty obvious. But maybe 5% of the time, he actually saw a yield loss when we waited that late. That's not saying we want everyone to wait till March to start top dressing. But if we do get uh, some delays from weather, uh, some heavy rains or too muddy, we're worried about getting out there too late, uh, grain yield is still able to be recovered. Protein, the later we go, the higher that protein seems to be uh, impacted. Uh, so the bottom of the line is we don't need to rush out there in December, January to top dress our wheat. We can spoon feed it like we talked about earlier, maybe put out some now, some more later. And then as we get more closer to that February, March timeframe, determine what that final top dress rate needs to be. So you talked about grain. Yeah. What about graze out? What if we're just considering forage? Is that, do we think about that the same way? And he did some trials, uh, 18, 19 season, I think last year as well. He looked at down Chickshane, there's close to Stillwater. Looking at all up front, uh, two different rates, and then a split application. And what he saw is we're still seeing that, you know, 60 pounds of nitrogen is going to give you a ton of forage. Okay. But we're uh, getting more tonnage when we split applied. So you had 60 pounds pre-plant, 120 pounds pre-plant, uh, 60 pounds split applied pre-plant and top dress. And we're increasing that tonnage every time we Okay. didn't make that extra pass so i think from the 120 pre versus the two shots of 60 pre and top dress you got another ton of forage okay uh, so That's we're more deal. efficient or uh, we're like i said we want to be ahead of the eight ball on forage but on grain we can wait later okay but once we're behind we're always at the mercy of we stop growing in the winter you're not gonna get that response and so like Trent said at the very beginning, we have a lot of wheat at different stages right now. We have that early planted that finally in this November got some growth to it. We have some late planted wheat that's really small. Late planted wheat, uh, you probably don't want to put out much nitrogen right now. It's got more than it probably needs till spring. Uh, but if you have some large lush wheat, especially if you're going to graze it, you might think about another application. I think from a producer standpoint it's give and take on both sides you know the earlier you put out nitrogen the more opportunities you have to get it incorporated the longer the plant has to use it but as it's long out there longer you have more chances to lose it and then and also i've seen issues where we've waited too long in the spring and not got an incorporating rainfall and that wheat headed and started to flower without getting an incorporating rainfall so it's like you said it, it's hard to decide exactly what's right and but you know more often more passes if you know course application costs come into that too can't forget my economic side there when you're talking five to six dollars an acre application cost 
got to find some happy medium there where we're preserving that nitrogen and not losing it, but getting it out in time for the crop to take advantage of it. Uh, to hit on one more thing, going back to that stewardship about uh, source and placement, we always get the question, well, I'm going to be economical and do two things in one pass. I need to put out herbicide, so what if I just use UAN, urea ammonium nitrate as the carrier? I can top dress and put my herbicide out on the same time. So when we're looking at that, uh, using a flat fan because you're going to be putting out a pesticide, a herbicide, you want good coverage, so you're going to be using a flat fan. We have more risk of crop injury to the wheat. Uh, so we want to limit that nitrogen, that UAN rate, to maybe 20 at the most. Usually 10 to 15 is going to be that safe rate, 20 depending on conditions. If we're less than 70 degree air temperatures and we have good relative humidity, we can get by with that 20, maybe 30 gallons. Uh, but typically that 10 to 15 gallons of UAN, we're pretty safe when we're still in that vegetative tillering stage. Once we hit that joining stage in the spring, we're going to have more crop injury uh, where we might want to back that off even more because uh, we don't want to be hurting those tillers. Uh, but we can be more economical doing two things in the same pass uh, with that herbicide, insecticide, and even UAN. Uh, but we don't want to be too greedy and put out too much nitrogen and have some crop injury. And when we're looking at no-till systems, flat fans with liquid nitrogen is always going to be a detriment because that residue is just going to tie up that nitrogen. So if you are in no-till and you have a lot of previous crop residue out there, using a pelletized dry granular uh, fertilizer uh, is going to be more beneficial or using streamer nozzles with that UAN to try to get that nitrogen down to the soil where the roots can get it. As you know, I always like to beat up on myself. And one year I didn't have any nitrogen out, late planted wheat. And in the spring, we decided to put on 40 gallons of nitrogen, but we used flat fans yeah. and it got above 70 degrees after that. It looked like I sprayed that field with glyphosate. I mean, it just turned it completely yellow, burned most of the tillers off that wheat. And it still came back and made 30, but I bet we lost 20 bushel per acre on that farm compared to our other farms that we had. And that was just a, I felt so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a nightmare. Like I said, you, you've talked to a lot of guys. They say they can get by with 30 gallons, uh, but it's always going to be those conditions uh, dependent. You have good growing conditions. Do we turn dry for 60 days? Uh, can that plant grow? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, regrow and replenish what you lost from burning those leaves off uh, all goes into that equation sounds yeah. like a huge guessing game to me <laughs> well that's farming isn't it I guess so <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> well I cut you off when you were talking about uh, enriched strips earlier and I'd like to kind of revisit that before we end today uh, how do I put out an enriched strip how much nitrogen am I talking about you know we don't want it to be deficient in that strip so how many pounds do you think we're talking there you know the biggest thing is you you want an enriched strip, nitrogen-rich strip. So you want to make sure you're putting out enough that you're not going to be deficient. And so that could be 40 pounds over what you put down pre-plant. If you don't put down much pre-plant, you might go a higher rate, maybe 100, 120 pounds of nitrogen. Uh, but something's better than nothing. Uh, you might put down what you think you should put down and see if you see a response. Uh, but if it's just a small strip, you know, get a little push spreader that you use for your yard. Uh, put a bag of urea in there and go open it up all the way and go till it runs out. Uh, it can be as complicated as you want. The rate's not necessarily a factor unless it's kind of a lower rate. Then you might not know what the top end is. 
Uh, so if you are really deficient like that strip we saw, we weren't hitting that top end. We don't know where the, the upper limit was. But Many of our extension offices have push spreaders as well. I remember Dr. Arnell was doing a good job of getting push spreaders out to those offices. So if you, for some reason you don't have access to something like that and you want to borrow one, just check with your local office and see if they have one or maybe a neighboring county has one you can borrow. Yeah. Well, that's a great topic. That's a lot of information. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope that lets people know that we know something about this, yeah, or at we least might, we can be confused. We might have to revisit the enriched yeah. strip yeah. situation here. But if you need forage, the sooner the better. Okay. If you're after grain, there's no rush. Okay. But it's a good thing to get started since it's getting cold and we're doing not much but feeding cows. If yeah. You, if you want to play with your wheat some more still, you can go out there and, and put out those enriched strips. Good time to do it. And uh, we can see that response maybe in January or February when we see some, maybe some warmer weather. But, mm -hmm. Well, thank you for joining us today. Like we said, please contact your local county extension office if you have questions about enriched strips or nitrogen use efficiency. We have a lot of those tools, green seekers and spreaders in those offices ready to assist you. And thank you for joining us today and we'll catch you next time. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the discussed topics, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again and we'll talk to you soon.